I'm Nicole McCants, a psychologist turned business coach for psychotherapists. It was not long ago when I was in solo private practice, seeing way too many clients feeling overwhelmed and burnt out. In 2016, when I became pregnant with twins, I knew I had to scale to a group practice because I couldn't keep working that much. I was sick of hitting the ceiling in my income and knew that the only way to make more money and help more people was expanding my practice. In three short years, I was able to scale it to 55 therapists and multiple seven figures. Once I was able to reach that goal, I had to take it to my peers. I'm here to teach you how to scale your solo practice to a group or take your group practice to the next level. We didn't learn anything about business in graduate school. So I created the Business Savvy Therapist podcast where I share easy to implement, business and marketing strategies so you can help more people, make more money, and have more freedom. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Business Savvy Therapist. Today, I am so thrilled to introduce you to the Julie Harris. Have you heard about her? I'm sure you have. Welcome to the show, Julie. So happy you're here. Nicole, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes. So why don't you, I honestly, a lot of people who follow me already know you, but why don't you introduce yourself? Perfect. Uh, I'm Julie Harris. I am the uh, CEO of Green Oak Accounting. We are a highly specialized accounting firm based in the U.S., and we're specialized. We only work with therapists in, in private practice. And so that is a very, very unique thing about us. I also am the author of Profit First for Therapists, and I'm the host of the Therapy for Your Money podcast. So that is what I do in a nutshell. And often I get the question as a follow-up to that, I'm like, why why do you specialize in working with therapists? So I'm going to answer that proactively. Yeah, please. I feel like I have the heart of a teacher. And years ago, when we were thinking about narrowing down our services and really focusing on one industry so that we could go deeper, like build deeper relationships in that industry, therapists are who really stood out among our existing clients as, as people who are hungry for information, who are receptive mm-hmm. to the information we were giving them about their business. And we're also willing to make changes. We're willing to implement some of the recommendations that we were providing. And you're just generally really, really nice people too. (laughs) And so all of those factors kind of led us into that direction. And as we started honing in more and more, we were able to really see like, wait a second, there's a formula to this. Like we can crack the code and figure out what it takes for a practice to be profitable and sustainable. Mm -hmm. And that's really valuable information there. So we just kept kept going from there. Oh, I'm going to call the episode that crack the code. I believe you. Like there is a formula. (laughs) There truly is a formula to success. And I actually talk about the formula to group practice success. And today let's talk about the formula to profit success. Why don't we start with what the heck is Profit First? Yes. So Profit First is a cash flow management system, right? If we boil it down to like its simplest strategy. So it is just a way that you are going to manage your money to use the habits that you already likely have to your advantage. And what I mean by that is most small business owners don't magically turn into savvy financial analysts just because they started a business, right? They are usually doing what we call bank balance bookkeeping, 
So maybe in the morning or when they're making a financial decision, they log into their bank on their, uh, you know, on their app on the phone or on the computer and look at like, is there money? Yes or no? Can I spend it? Yes or no? Right? It's kind of as, as simple as that. And so what is missing though from that information is context. When you're just looking at a big pile of cash, it doesn't tell you your estimated tax payment is coming up. You have payroll due next week. Your rent check hasn't cleared yet, right? It doesn't give you context for all of those different things. So while sometimes it may look like you have money, it's already allocated to various different things and you don't actually have that money available to spend. So with Profit First, we use multiple bank accounts to at a glance when you're doing your bank balance bookkeeping, you're going to get exponentially more information from your bank accounts on whether you actually can afford to spend or not. So your bank is going to give you that information. So we're not changing your habits. We're saying, if you look at your bank to make decisions, you can continue to do that but you're going to have a lot more information to help you in decision making. I love that. I think that we're in a unique industry where I work specifically with people moving into a group practice and they're giving 60% away automatically, right? So I always feel if you're just looking at your bank, it's not clean. 60% of that money is not yours. Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't include tax money, right? I mean, of, of the profit that you make, there's a good chance that 30% of that is going straight to taxes. So really the slice that you actually get to take home and spend is, is, is a smaller one, especially in the context of group practice, because there's so many moving pieces and people doing the work. But if you are just taking that money home and spending it without regards to what's going on, like you can actually put your practice at significant risk yeah. of failure or closing. Like, and that happens unfortunately more often than, than I wish it did. Right. Cause people aren't on top of their numbers and they, yes. yes. And I love that you put it in different bins or different bank accounts. So there's, it's the true, it's fact that's your money or that's not your money. That's going to taxes depending on what bin it's in with profit first. Yes. So do you want to, do you want to uh, dig in a little bit to some of the bank sure. accounts? Yeah. So we, we start profit first with in a group practice, six foundational bank accounts. First, a solo practice, that would be five, but for a group practice, six. So first we have the income account. All of the money coming into the business goes into that income account. So there's no expenses, just income coming in. When we have an account just dedicated to income, it really makes it easy to see the ebb and flow of money coming into the business. So we we have clients, for example, who often self-diagnose a billing problem or some kind of a paneling problem because you only see deposits, nothing else. So you're able to, to, to have an idea of what's normal in the practice. Then the second account is the operating expenses account, which we sometimes call OPEX as well. That's where most of the discretionary expenses are coming out of. So your credit card payment, your rent, your dues and subscriptions, the software. Those are coming out of that operating expenses account. But often when you're thinking of making an investment or like, can we afford to do this? It's often coming out of that operating expenses account. Our third bank account is a payroll account. And because as you mentioned, in the context of group practice, payroll is typically going to be your single largest expense. From that bank account, we're going to connect payroll to that. From that bank account is coming out wages, payroll tax and benefits, for the team. So that's usually the biggest chunk is going to that account. And that's for the clinical team, administrative, leadership, you know, everyone. So it's not uncommon for you know, 60 to 75% of funds coming into the business to go, go to that account when we're thinking about all the people who get paid in your practice and sometimes including the owner. Next, we have an owner's pay account. This is the account that's meant to pay the owner for the work that they do day to day in the business. So they're part time, part clinician, part leadership, part CEO. 
sometimes maybe part-time biller or administrative assistant or plant waterer, right? There's a lot of different hats that, that a business owner wears, but this is where ideally there's enough money going into this account that the business owner is paying their day-to-day living expenses. So they're taking that money home and paying their mortgage, their car payments, their kids' activities, they're putting food on the table, right? All of those different things, taking care of themselves. Next, we have the tax account. This is the account where we earmark funds for taxes. And so there's payroll taxes in that payroll account, but at least in the US, we typically are, as business owners, are going to have to pay quarterly estimated tax payments beyond any kind of payroll taxes. Those are taxes for the profit of the, of the business. And so we earmark those funds over there so that we know those are not our funds. That, that is for taxes but also so that it's not coming out of the day-to-day living funds for the owner, right? That is separate. You're not having to scrounge when it's time to pay taxes. Say like, where am I getting that from? It's already earmarked there yes. for taxes. Can I just jump in about that? Yes. I, I have an account where I move my, because guys, it's not your money. Move it over. It's the government's money. Yeah. Like treat it like that. And sometimes I forget, and I read in your book that people forget, and it's such a beautiful thing at tax time to, my accountant says, oh, don't worry, Nicole, it's all paid. You've been saving it throughout the whole year. It's such a beautiful thing. So that happens more often than I thought it would, where because it's in there, you kind of set it and forget Mm -hmm. it, right? You're like, oh, it's just the money's going in there. You know, it's not yours. So you're really not considering it in the equation. And then you get your tax bill and you're like, oh no, you have that sinking moment for just, just a couple of minutes. Like, how am I going to pay for it? And then you remember (laughs) it's right there. There's enough money right there to pay for. And like, what a beautiful, what a beautiful thing that is. Yes. One less thing to like worry about. Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And as you said, that money is not yours, right? Where sometimes it's, it can be tempting, like, oh, let's just borrow it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'll put it back later. But like, that money is not yours. Do you that. have to pay taxes. It's inevitable. So you put the money in there. So our last account, the sixth account is the profit account. Yay. Obviously we want to take our profit first. I save it for last so that it makes sense in the context of all the other bank accounts. But you take on risk as a business owner to have a business. If your clinicians leave, you're the one left holding the responsibility. If someone sues you, you're left holding the responsibility. If if rent doubles, you're the one left figuring everything out. You simply take on risk by being the business owner. And I'm a firm believer and the profit for a system supports that. You should be rewarded for taking on that risk. And so, Nicole, if you or I own stock of a dividend paying stock, every quarter we're going to get a check with, it might be a couple pennies, it might be a few thousand dollars, right? Like depending on how much stock we own. But just because we're getting that check doesn't mean that we you know, went to the AT&T store and worked at the counter and served people, right? We didn't actually do anything. We just invested in the company. Yep. We took a risk and we were getting a reward for that. Mm-hmm. So that's like how I like to describe that profit account, that it is meant to be a reward for the business owner beyond their day-to-day living expenses. So depending on how much is in that account, that might be a nice dinner out. It might be something you've been eyeing that you want to go buy. I've had clients buy a car with that or put it in a, we're buying a new house fund, whatever it may be, depending on how much the dollar amount is in that account. It's meant to be a reward above and beyond what you typically would get paid. That account is also part savings. So at the end of each quarter, you're going to take out half of the amount that's in that bank account and leave the other half in the business as a a bit of an emergency fund. Because in a business and especially in a group practice, the question is not, if things will go wrong, the question is when things will go wrong. Things will break, right? If you have a business with 5, 10, 20, 50 team members, things will happen and things will go wrong. And then we want you to have the money 
some money saved away available so that you can weather the storm when your practice faces a storm. Yeah. So when you are stressed with the thing that went wrong, at least you're not stressed by the financial component to that. Have you been to a masterclass yet? Let's hang out. I would love to teach you exactly how I grew a seven-figure group practice that ran without me so you can finally have the freedom and flexibility that you deserve. If you show up live, I will give you a life-changing guide called Three Ways to Increase Your Income This Month. The link to register is in the show notes. See you there. Can we lean into the profit just a bit more? So obviously that's why they're starting the group practice, right? Is to get the little extra. Otherwise they would just stay in solo. So the owner's pay is all their work for seeing clients. Let's pretend they're seeing clients, all their work for supervising. Let's say they pay themselves a supervisor fee. And then the profit is all the extra at the end, but they move that into a different account. That's what you're saying? Correct. Really, there are three accounts that directly benefit the owner. And that is the owner's pay account, the tax account, and the profit account. Because usually the business is paying tax on behalf of of the business owner. And so in the context of a, a group practice that has kind of five or more people, we're typically looking for the total of those three accounts to equal 20 to 25% of the income coming into the practice. So 20 to 25%. Depending on the specific situation of a person, how that percentage is distributed among owner's pay, tax, and profit depends. For example, someone is a sole breadwinner in their household. Maybe they need more in that owner's pay account and there's going to be less in profit because they just need to be taking home a bigger dollar amount day to day for their household. Maybe if they're in a high tax household because they're just a high income household overall, maybe a significant amount needs to go to tax and they are taking home a little bit less in owner's pay, a little bit less in profit because of that specific situation. So there is some flexibility in the book. I do provide ranges for each one because not all, no two practices are exactly the same. I, I don't believe that there's a formula that you have to do this or you are doing things wrong. But there is a range where we know like this is a sustainable range. Things can work this way and we know it can be sustainable long-term. Right, exactly. What I did and I teach my members is how much does it cost you to live? So those listening, you know your portion of the household, exactly how much you pull out. And isn't it funny, Julie? I find, I I buy everything on Amazon because it's easy for my kids, but it always ends up about the same amount. It's so our behaviors are the same month after month. It's so funny. I'm like, oh my gosh, like the visa bill, I pay off my visa every month. I'm like, it's the exact same. It's about the same. Yeah. But I would say, I, I'm Nicole, I'm curious if you've found this as well. I'm always surprised by the number of people who have no idea what that number is. Like how much do you need to keep the lights on in your household? Like keep everything running? Yes. A lot of people don't actually know is that 5,000? Is it 10,000? Is it like, what is it? Yes. That's the first thing. You'd be happy to know. That's the first thing I tell them to do when they come into Yay. my program. Because if you don't know your numbers, how are you supposed to know what to pay yourself? And then you don't really know anything yes. else for these bank accounts, right? Yeah, exactly. And you also don't know, like really when we're looking at how much can you pay yourself, it's just math, right? If you say as a business owner, I want to make $150,000 a year, more power to you, right? I want you to have that too. There's no reason to feel guilty about that or any shame. But it's just math. If your business is making $150,000 a year, we know that's not going to be possible, right? You can't make that much and take home that much. So something has to give, but we can reverse engineer your business to 
see what do, what does your business need to be to be able to provide that for you? Yeah. And it's just math. So what I tell a lot of people, I'm curious your thoughts about this, is when you start a group practice, I'm really sorry to tell you, I know you're following me for the freedom and flexibility that is to come eventually, but at the beginning, see the clients, pay for your life. See the clients pay. Yeah. And I saw as many clients that I did in solo at the beginning. It was a lot because yeah. you're doing a lot. You're hiring. You're now a boss, a leader. But then that way, the profit from the business business, I didn't do profit first, sorry. Don't hate me. But like I okay. it just fed back into the group practice. Yes. Well, actually, what are your thoughts about that? Because I'll tell you, one of the reasons I grew to 55 therapists, Julie, in three years was because I continued to see the clients and then everything I made from the business, I put back into the marketing and then back into the market. And this beautiful snowball happened. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think my, and this is, this is opinion more than fact. I think the beginning of stages of group practice is the hardest part it is. of group practice. That's a good news. Because as you hire your first one, two, three team members, there's a good chance that you're seeing about the same caseload or very, very close. And you kind of have to, right? Sometimes I meet practice owners who say, I want to start a group practice because I want to stop seeing clients. If I hire two therapists, can I stop seeing clients? Absolutely not. The math does not work there. So at that beginning stage of group practice, you are likely still seeing a full client load and then doing administrative things for a number of therapists, including you. So you might still be doing billing. You're still doing some of the intake, possibly. You're doing the marketing. You're tinkering with the website. Like There's just a lot of things that you may have some resources to get help with, but you don't have an abundant amount of resources available to just say like, oh, let's hire two full-time admin people. Like Usually the math doesn't work there either. And so I think that's the hardest part of group practice because you're just, you're wearing a lot of hats and you have to for a little while. And then some practice owners will say, you know what? I don't think this is for me and then go back to solo. But when you push through, that's when you get to the good stuff. Because when you're getting a practice to 800,000, a million dollars a year, 2 million, 3 million, you have the resources to hire a full-time intake, two full-time billers, to hire a marketing person. Like you have the money available to do those things, which you don't have funds for dedicated staff in the early, early stages. Yes. Now I'm assuming you're thinking more in network because the private pay, there's much more profit margin there. So, right. Like maybe speak to that, that I'm assuming because there's a lot more profit in private pay than in network that they can do some of the things faster, like hire the admin and maybe they can work a little less with just two clinicians if they're billing over 200 an hour. Right. And, and in part, that's going to depend on how much you're paying your team members as well. Yes. Right. That, that is a big, big consideration. Cause if you're, if you're hiring and paying proportionally the same as a, an insurance based practice, like you may actually not have that much space. I'm a big fan of in those early stages. I do, I do think you can get some help, usually in the form of a, a virtual assistant or someone who's part time, maybe, yep. but you just can't necessarily have that full time position. And so in a, in a private pay or a practice, you may be able to do that sooner or reduce your caseload sooner, but it's not going to zero right away. It does take some time to do that. So you may be going from 25 clients a week or 30 clients a week, down five, stepping down five at a time, getting a little help, but it's not, it's not on day one of hiring that, that, that those things happen. Yes. And that's the hard part, I think. Yes. And mentally, and that's why I hold people's hands. Cause I'm like, I did it on my own. It was yeah. a lot. And I was spinning in circles half the time. Right. So f- try yeah. to follow the experts. One last question. If somebody's like, Ooh, this sounds amazing. What would be 
the first step that they do in terms of following the profit first model and shifting the way they do everything? So I think a good first step is to get the book. I'm going to be a little self-serving here just because the book, I really did put every single tip and trick I have into the book. I think it's a really affordable way to get all of that information. But if you say like, if you feel like I've already heard enough about Profit First, sign me up, like what do I do? I'd say the next step would be to open up the bank accounts. Like you just go to your bank, open up the, if you already have one or two bank accounts, open up the additional accounts that you need give them a name, and then take the instant assessment. That's going to tell you where your practice stands today so that you know how to start allocating funds. But the book is definitely a good a good place to start because it explains all of that in just way more detail than we can in a podcast. But the bank would be the place I would start after that. Yeah. Okay. First, get the book, do the assessments. So you know exactly yes. how everything applies to you. Okay. And actually, I do have one more question. How many therapists have you worked with? altogether over the years, general? Over the years, I think it's close to a thousand. Okay. And group practice owners, a percentage of that, right? Yeah. Look, guys, she gets to see in everyone's banks. So here's my question now. What is a general commonality that you've just noticed with the people who are millionaires? So who truly become in revenue, they're able to like generate over a million dollars, multiple million dollars. Is there anything that you, is there like a commonality in any way between all the people you've ever met? Yes. And I would say we probably work with 75% practice owners. That would be my guess. Like if I had to just, just throw out a guess and I'm going to be even more specific, Nicole, I'm going to talk about if we look at the people who are taking home a million dollars or more, because that's very possible yep. as well, right? Taxable income, a million dollars or more. They know that they are not the experts at everything. They surround themselves with a team of experts. There's absolutely a lot of accountability. They're tracking KPIs, but they are surrounded by, they have a billing expert. They have an attorney that they refer to whenever they have a, a problem, an HR consultant. They're absolutely working with an accountant, right? But you kind of get, they, they usually have a business coach. They have a operations or a, a clinical director in yeah. the business. They maybe have a practice manager on top of that. Like they're elevating people in positions where they're saying, I, as the owner, owner and managing the systems. And as long as I'm, I'm getting the data to see if the system is working or not. So they kind of are pretty hands off. Yeah. They're the visionary. They're absolutely stepping into their visionary role. They're only inserting themselves if, they, if the KPIs show them there's a problem, right? So then like they see, oh, there's a problem over here in intake. I'm going to insert myself. We're going to fix this problem. And I'm going to exit again. Yes. So they're not involved. They're not involved in all of the things because you can't do that in a business that size. And, and you know, Nicole, as, as a you know CEO of a, a 55 person company, like you can't know everything that is going on in the business. Exactly. It's not possible. Yes. But you just have to have the right reports and the right metrics to know are things going well or not well, where is the problem? So I can pop in and fix it. Exactly. And elevating them and supporting them. Do you know what I mean? Where I'm like, oh, I'm poking my head in exactly what you said. I'm hearing like trust. I'm going to poke my head back out and trust that they got it. I love it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And at that point also in the business, like the owner is no longer caring for the clients, right? Correct. The owner is taking care of the team members. And at that level, the owner is really caring for the leadership more than anything else. Like they care, of course, about every single person in their organization, but like they're, they're supporting leadership so that the leadership can support the front line. And then the front line is who is supporting clients. I love it. So good. And just something for you all to look forward to and know that this is possible. Okay. Two Absolutely. things. How do people yeah. find you? And I think you mentioned you have a free resource. 
Yes. So we talked a little bit about reverse engineering your practice. I actually have a tool for you, for your listeners on that. So we have a calculator that is to reverse engineer your practice to live your best life. So you can find that at profitfirstfortherapists.com slash Nicole. Uh, so we will have that up and running for you. You can get it's completely free to you. And Profit First for Therapists is the best place to start for all the resources that we have available in the book. You can also get a link to purchase the book. It's available in paperback, audio, and ebook as well. So we have, depending on how you like to consume books, it's all available for you right there on the website. We have other fun tools like what to look for in your bank and how to set up the systems, like all the different, we've got a lot of different things for you there. Amazing. I read the book on vacation, on the beach. It was amazing. And a lot of my members love the book. So I would grab that book and I will have the free resource in the show notes just for you. So jump on into the show notes. Thank you, Julie. It was such a great combo. Thank you so much. Thanks, Nicole. So good to see you. Thank you for listening to the Business Savvy Therapist podcast. I hope this episode was helpful. I would be so grateful if you would share this with a peer or colleague that is wanting to help more people make more money and have more freedom. Make sure to subscribe so you do not miss any new episodes and please do leave me a review. It would mean the world to me. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you in the next one.